This was the first experience that, that I went through where we had this high number of victims and uh, really this, this broad impact across the state. Hi, and welcome to Sabi Reason's Malicious Life B-Sides. I'm Ren Lin. A year ago, in a B-Side episode called Ransomware Attacks Don't Take Holidays, we told you the story of Kaseya an IT solutions company that was breached on July 2nd, 2021, and its servers were used to spread ransomware to an estimated 800 to 1,500 small to medium-sized businesses. Kaseya's CEO said at the time that, quote, we have about 150 people that have slept probably a grand total of four hours in the last two days, literally, and that will continue until everything is perfect as can be. End quote. Not a great way to spend the 4th of July holiday. Well, guess what? If you visit the FBI's most wanted cyber criminals list right now, you'll find there the roundish, serious-looking face of Yevgeny Igorevich Polyanin, a 30-years-old Russian man. Polyanin probably has a good reason for not smiling in his pictures. He has a $5 million prize on his head. Polyanin is part of Revo, the notorious ransomware group that was responsible, among other things, for Kaseya's breach. For this episode, Nate Nelson, our senior producer, spoke with Rich Murray, who leads the FBI's North Texas Cyber Unit, about how the Federal Bureau of Investigations dealt with another attack by Revo, this time against the Texas government, and how they managed to figure out who was behind the attack. Enjoy the interview. Could you just describe for me the moment that you first heard about the attack that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so I learned about the attack on uh, August 16th, 2019, the same day that it occurred here in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, the, the information that I received was that there was a ransomware attack that had, uh, that had been initiated early that morning around 2.15 through a common vector of, a, of an IT service uh, services vendor, which uh, turned out to be a managed service provider. Are you familiar enough to say how exactly the attack chain worked that led to the compromise of that MSP? The attacker was able to leverage a, a remote administration tool to uh, to push the the ransomware down into uh, that that MSP's customer base, uh, really you know raising exponentially. The, the impact of, of that attack from just one, uh, you know, one victim to more than uh, 20 victims and really 20 organizations. Over those first few hours or maybe day or two, what did the destruction look like? Who had been attacked and how bad was the damage? Cities were uh, were impacted. Uh, there, you know, there at least was uh, an, an impact to a, a water uh, treatment facility that had to roll over to uh, to manual processes. There was a loss of of ability to run criminal histories, uh, which makes it 
uh, you know, really puts officers in a in a bad situation because when they're going to uh, you know encounter some individual, they're not able to access uh, those records to determine does a person have a warrant or do they have a you know a violent criminal history. Uh, t- uh, there was a disruption in the computer aided uh, dispatch systems, uh, you know, and these are uh, CAD for short. And, and, and these CAD systems really uh, it, it enable the, the responders to, uh, to speed up the response. It allows the, the dispatchers to prioritize calls, to assign resources, to, uh, to, to monitor the officers out in, out in the field. You know, some of the officers and some of these affected municipalities had to resort to uh, you know, handwriting reports. How were the officers, the government officials around them reacting to all this? Early on, the, uh, the, the direction, because, you know, that there was some unknown information, right, we, there was concern that this might, uh, you know, impact hundreds of organizations. So departments needed to respond the best they could. The, 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 the guidance that was going out was to, you know, disconnect systems. Systems like, like everything? To give you one specific example, to some extent, the VoIP systems were uh, were disrupted, and so you know that the word had to to be pushed out to these departments uh, to to try and get these systems disconnected. And, and in one case, uh, you know that uh, the information, the, the guidance to to disconnect systems, uh, went into a dispatch center, uh, who then relayed that to an officer. Uh, you know that uh, that the FBI had reported a uh, a cyber terrorist was uh, was attacking their systems and uh, they needed to disconnect the system. So, you know, that, that officer, you know, did uh, as they were, you know, uh, instructed and, and went in and, and disconnected uh, the systems at, the, at their department. To be clear, the order to disconnect everything came from the FBI or from elsewhere? Likely from, uh, from the, the operations center uh, or perhaps the, the MSP, uh, the, certainly from the other side of the folks who were dealing with uh, the remediation and mitigation aspect of, of the attack, right? That, that allowed some of the, the organizations the ability to, to better recover because the ransomware attack at, that, uh, attack at this time did take hours and potentially days. So disconnecting was uh, uh, going to be an effective mitigation for, for some of these victims. And so it seems like in the end, it really caught everyone off guard. The obviously the the local police, the municipalities, government officials, and the FBI. Although I imagine that you guys are, you know, you have some intel. You're monitoring threat activity. What was it that managed to catch you by such surprise? Normally, we don't have an advance, uh, you know, advance warning. Uh, there was uh, a, a time though that a telecommunications company that discovered that these bad guys. Uh, were using a, a public website to stage some of their malware. And so that, that gave us some advance warning of when some of their attacks were going to, uh, to, to happen. And so that, uh, that telecom was able to pass that information to us, uh, and, and we were able to make proactive uh, notifications to, to victims in order to help them uh, either mitigate partially or completely, uh, you know, an an impending uh, ransomware attack. Local municipal governments have have some systems going down. Police are unplugging all their computers. What is happening 
at the FBI at this this early moment? Um, are you guys fielding calls? Are you trying to figure out what's going on? Are you helping victims? Our involvement initiates on, on August 16th. And uh, that's a Friday. That's a Friday afternoon. We have a computer scientist and uh, an agent go out to the MSP that night to, to conduct an interview and collect uh, digital evidence. You know, they're, they're out there uh, until about two in the morning. At the same time, you know, the state had uh, spun up a, an emergency operations uh, center 24-7, and the FBI San Antonio office deployed agents over to that operations center so that we can uh, have that seamless uh, communication and coordination between state officials and the FBI. And then uh, we also have FBI Dallas uh, rolling out and engaging with that, that managed service provider to, to collect information on specifics behind the attack. Um, you know, we have a, a conference call that night around 1030 and then, uh, you know, we're working uh, through this um, over the weekend. You know, we're making notifications up to uh, FBI headquarters. We are, uh, you know, really kind of defining what our uh, investigative strategy is going to be. And, you know, when you describe it like that, it sounds like an entire machine waking up and coming together, getting into motion. But, you know, had you, Rich, experienced an event like this before? And did the FBI have a playbook for what happens if a ransomware attacker destroys like a swath of local government and police infrastructure? Uh, we had experience with uh, with ransomware. Uh, we had we already had a, an ongoing investigation into another matter. Uh, but this was kind of the, the, the first uh, experience that, that I went through where we had this number of, of uh, this high number of victims and uh, really this, this broad impact across the state and especially here in, in North Texas. For those who haven't participated necessarily in a large scale cyber response effort, can you explain why you needed so many uh, field offices, so many agencies all participating in this, why there couldn't have just been a cyber response team that cleans up the issue? The FBI model of, of investigating ransomware uh, attacks and ransomware variants is to have one or a, a small group of FBI offices develop the subject matter expertise around that particular variant and then lead the effort uh, to uh, on that investigation. So in this particular case, right, we, we needed to figure out who uh, did, was there already an existing investigation on this variant? And if not, should a, should a case be opened? So, you know, we need uh, FBI San Antonio to, to engage with state uh, officials down at the operations center. We need FBI Dallas uh, because we have that managed service provider in, in our, uh, you know, uh, area of responsibility. And then we, early on, we had an FBI office get involved from the East Coast uh, because we had a, 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 we, we tentatively identified the variant uh, as already being investigated by a, an office on the East Coast. Uh, as, as we gather more information, we found out that wasn't the case. Uh, so they were able to drop off. And uh, we, we pair up with another FBI office who already had a case open on this variant. They had just opened a case based on uh, an attack at a uh, at an eye care facility. 
and that was the Jackson, Mississippi uh, office. So uh, FBI Dallas uh, and FBI Jackson then pick up this investigation together and, uh, and move forward. How long does this whole search take as you jump from one field office over here to another? They have the information, they don't. We, we receive information actually on the day of the event, uh, later that night, from a private sector partner that the ransomware was uh, Sodnokivi, and, uh, which is also known as, as R-Evil. So, and, you know, right away, we're, we're putting efforts uh, into, into play to, to, to confirm that attribution. And for those unfamiliar, can you just give me a background on Revil? Yeah, so Revil is, uh, you know, ransomware as a service. Um, it has, uh, you know, is in, the, in the ransomware as a service space, you know, there's the administrators and the developers, really the, you know, the, the, the technical uh, you know, know-how uh, behind the, the variant model. And then there's affiliates. And uh, these affiliates are, uh, you know, really the kind of the subcontractors of this criminal enterprise uh, to, to compromise organizations. And then uh, they exfiltrate uh, inform- uh, information out of, the, out of the networks and then uh, encrypt, uh, encrypt the victims. How do you go about discovering who was actually behind the attack? You know, just like any other crime, you know, that the, 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 a, a bad guy might may commit, these bad guys, you know, these cyber threat actors, they leave a digital trail behind them. Take a, take a bank robbery, for example, right? If, if a bank robber enters a, a, a bank, right, they, um, their, their image is going to show up on a camera. They may leave a fingerprint behind. Uh, they may have a co-conspirator out in the car. So, you know, these bad guys, they're, they're getting on victim networks. Uh, they're communicating with, uh, with the victims to try and uh, negotiate a ransom. They're collecting ransoms. And all along this way, right, they're leaving a, a digital trail. And so, you know, we, we come along and, uh, and, and pick up each, uh, each of those digital footprints or digital uh, breadcrumbs that they leave behind and, and examine them. And some of them are, are uh, you know, are dead ends and don't leave us uh, anywhere to go. But, you know, we, we pick up the next one and, uh, and, and put those together. So, you know, over time, it took us more than a year, right, to, uh, to determine the, uh, the identity of the, the alleged uh, perpetrator behind this attack. But eventually we do uh, identify, make that identification. Then after this whole long year of looking for the, the, the person who did this, uh, whose face pops up on your desk? We identify him as, as uh, Yevgeny Polyanin. And uh, Mr. Polyanin is believed to be in Russia, uh, possibly Barnal. And uh, he was identified as being one of the uh, Sonokibi Revo ransomware affiliates. He's a 29-year-old male. He's wanted for his alleged involvement in ransomware attacks and money laundering activities. The best strategy for organizations to avoid becoming a victim of ransomware is to prevent the attack from being successful in the first place. Cyber Reason remains undefeated in the fight against ransomware because it moved beyond alerting to deliver an operation-centric approach that detects and prevents ransomware attacks at the earliest stages of initial ingress and lateral movement. 
The CyberReason Predictive Response Capability disrupts ransomware attacks prior to data exfiltration and long before the ransomware payload can be delivered. Visit CyberReason.com to learn more about predictive ransomware protection and how your organization can realize both increased efficiency and efficacy through an operation-centric approach to security operations. Tell me how this story ends, how all of the, the players who are taken down uh, come back to life, how long that process takes, and if there were any lasting consequences for the victim, the government, etc. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we did, uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI did announce charges against uh, Mr. Pollyannon in a, in a, in a press conference. Um, you know, the, the, the Department of Justice uh, did announce a, uh, a seizure of, uh, of funds that are uh, alleged to have been uh, used in connection with, uh, with ransom payments and the money laundering activities. And uh, in that case, we were able to uh, seize over $6 million of cryptocurrency. In a way, this story kind of reminds me of the, the Texas blackout because here was this small provider, an MSP, which, uh, if I recall correctly, was run by just a few people, providing infrastructure for all kinds of like government and police agencies. And this single failure caused really widespread destruction. Um, do you, Rich, know whether this kind of uh, arrangement exists elsewhere in America? Like, are other parts of the con- country vulnerable to attacks like this today? Or have government agencies since this 2019 event learn from stories like this to become more fault tolerant? You know, I think one of the, the, the takeaways here, uh, you know, and this is back in 2019, and I think this has become more known over time, is really the, uh, the, the vulnerability that a third party risk can, can present to our networks and, and our data, right? So, you know, I, I think organizations are familiar with, uh, with the need to secure right, their own data and their own networks, but in, in this day and age with uh, the sophisticated and the connectivity that we have between suppliers and vendors and partners, uh, the, 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 the nature of the supply chain uh, aspect of uh, these cyber, eth- uh, cyber attacks cannot be underestimated. We have to understand what's going on with those partners who have access or are providing to us some type of service, because if, if they get compromised and they have access into our networks, that does represent a, a vulnerability to, uh, to our data. Anyone really is a, is a possible target. Rich, what do you take away from, from all of this? Really, just one of the overarching uh, takeaways that, that I took from this investigation is that uh, you know, when we do have the, 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 the US government agencies, when we do have the FBI field offices, when we do have our foreign partners and, and private sector, uh, that when everyone adds their piece to uh, to the investigation, that we can find ways to uh, to disrupt the actors, whether it's FBI enabling an operation of a of a partner or our partners enabling uh, an operation that that we uh, that we can do. You know, one of the one of the new uh, techniques that 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 we were able to to put into play in this in particular investigation 
was uh, working with the Department of State. And the Department of State was able to get uh, a, a reward announcement for Sonokibi actors. And uh, the State Department offered a reward of up to $10 million for information leading to the identification or location of an individual who holds a key leadership position in Sonokibi. And then a, another reward up to $5 million for information leading to the arrest and, and conviction of an, uh, an individual conspiring to participate or, uh, you know, uh, conduct one of these Sodno-Kibi ransomware attacks. So th- that's to me the, the, the takeaway is there are so many, in, in this cybersecurity community, there are so many people uh, who are working uh, to, uh, to protect the networks, to, uh, to secure the, the data and the operations. And there are many who are willing to step forward and, and, and help in an investigation and uh, in an effort to disrupt these actors. Oh my God. CK Music. CK Music.